0: Hashtag sorry, not sorry, but welcome back to Season 3, yeah, with Dwellers, Dwellers Below. G'day and welcome back Below. to The Dwellers Below, the show where a bunch of content creators that didn't get advanced access to the rules content talk to you about the rules that they don't have. Oh, we are back! Backity back. back, baby, backity back. We're so back. Damn! What That's did I ask at the end been... of the last episode? I asked, "Is the dwellers below going to be in the game?" And that was answered before I'd even finished editing the damn, the damn uh, episode. So we're back.
1: <clears throat> well, actually, technically, if you paid attention to any of the um, almanacs, you would have found out that the dwellers below actually was was in the game.
0: Oh Well, clearly I didn't do that. Now, <laughs> do you for new listeners is, is the and question. old listeners, uh, particularly the <laughs> very old ones from the original show, uh, I've just insulted most of our audience, uh, we've got a few faces to introduce today. So, old man Moran is back in the house. Welcome, Brad. Good to be here, brother.
2: Good to be here. Backity back.
0: Also joining us today, the man dubbed The New Gentili in the uh, AOS version of the show, uh, Danny Paints.
1: The New Gentili, I'm honoured, absolutely honoured, what a title.
0: What have you been up to in the intervening years, my friend?
1: Uh, so many things. I don't know if I'd, I started and stopped a YouTube channel. I worked as a commission painter for years and no longer do that either. Uh, painted s- countless minis, played lots of games that aren't Warhammer, uh, and missed square bases very much.
0: Beautiful. I'm not going to advertise your YouTube channel, and I'm not going to advertise your painting studio, because I know you're sick of painting it's models. Danny Paints. Matt, Danny Paints. <laughs> Danny Paints. He's not sick of it at all. Uh, up in the top right of the screen, a Lucky a Mulchkeki returns. Good to be here. Thanks, guys, for inviting me on the show. That's all pick. right. Thanks for coming along. Now, it's a bit of a different vibe today. If the last episode could be described as, let's pick a metal band. Let's go Iron Maiden. If that if that was an Iron Maiden group, this is more of a, a Fallout Boy vibe of band, I think.
3: <laughs> I saw them two weeks ago. They were great.
2: <laughs>
0: You're kidding. Oh my yeah no
3: seriously like uh, after 15 years or something they came back out and, and they, they they rocked it
0: <laughs> so what have we got in store for you today uh the plan is to well first i gotta say thank you to everyone who tuned in to the first episode everyone who subscribed on youtube dropped us a comment uh listen to it on on the podcast feeds the the feedback's been overwhelming, but just the reaction has been overwhelming. Like we've, you know, 200 subscribers in our first week, like uh, 1,200 uh, like views on YouTube, um, another 300, 400 on uh, the, pod, the podcast apps, like just way above what we expected, way above what uh, I could handle. I'm struggling to keep up with the uh, YouTube comments all week. Morgan's not helped at all. But yeah, just like a massive thank you to everyone. Like old listeners, new listeners, our friends in other podcasts who've given us shout outs. Uh, it's just massive. Like it's been an awesome week. Uh, just hanging with the Dwellers family again.
1: Yeah, I was not at all ready for the hype. Um, like yeah, every, like everyone was pretty keen, and like, you know, people have been making content about this game for years now. Um, And I'll come across the episodes of other podcasts and stuff and be like, oh, this is like, you know, it's interesting, but like, I probably won't play it. Uh, And then this week rolls around. I'm like, how can I spend every cent on this game? (laughs) I was not at all prepared. So it's, yeah, it's really lovely to be back amongst it and talking to you lovely people.
3: I actually didn't realize how much content had been like released and created on obviously like the, um the Warhammer community, but also like podcasts like Rob's podcast and things like that. I just thought like, oh yeah, it's still like two years away is the old world and then kind of like oh yeah, same with you, Danny, a couple of weeks ago, like Nikki messaged me and I was like, Oh yeah, I could you know, like I could look into it and I was like, Holy shit, this is a shitload. So it hasn't been drip fed to <laughs> me, it's just been
0: like smashed the yeah content, all the once. Which is great. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's been a week. It has been like so much has happened and there was one somewhat recurring comment that we got uh on socials which was like the episode was good and i enjoyed the content but it was out of date by the time i listened to it and for once i didn't even spend that long editing it it uh it just kind of the week went and i just want like let's go over the week so we we recorded thursday we released Friday night and we already had our first controversy the big, first big controversy of the week happened Friday and that was Games Workshop doing another Almanac article a designer round table and writing these 10 fateful words please note that they won't be considered legal for tournaments and boy oh boy <laughs> did that cause an absolute cluster of a reaction in the community
2: Nick, I love Facebook. Why would you possibly want to sell books? Why would you want some of the most beloved armies in Fantasy Battle? Why would you want people to play them? Why would you want people to be excited for this game that hasn't been out in 10 years that you're bringing back from the dead? Why would you not just want to take a giant steaming monkey crap all over people's excitement? It is I worked in corporate sales for Games Workshop twice. I cannot believe that someone was not taken out and shot for this. It is unbelievable.
1: It might well have been.
2: <laughs> yeah, we
1: just don't know about it. The Blood chip in
2: my head <laughs> is like just constantly <laughs> like shocking and titching because of that – those ten words. I cannot believe that somebody would shoot themselves in the foot so tremendously it is unbelievable i'm sorry i'm gonna get off my soap i'm gonna sit here and be quiet
3: <laughs> i'm a little bit torn because like you know some of the factions that they won't be doing books for are some dear to my heart like dark elves you know i think vampire accounts you know are such an integral part of the lore, um and even like demons and you know some people have said oh ogres are a little bit peripheral but i i, I do see you know my fantasy as you know ogres are a big part of it skaven are a big part of it so I, I agree with you, Brad, but also like I understand why they don't want to release, you know, 16 or 17 armies all at once. Like that is a big risk because they don't know how successful this is going to be. I actually think, and apparently there's, they've said this before, that they won't do something like pre-marks in, in 40k or there's been other examples of that where they won't do something and then they end up doing it. So I reckon, you know, two or three years down the track when it's been... Hopefully successful that they will uh, renege on that. This and everyone, my, no one my... will be unhappy, right? Sorry, Absolutely Brad. Go. my theory. <laughs>
1: yeah, Brad, go for it.
2: So we are getting those factions on day dot. We are getting the army list for all of the factions at the exact same goddamn time games workshop they 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 didn't need to do that anywhere outside of goddamn warhammer world Mm. and to say that they're not going to be supporting this and they're not going to be tournament legal look i get it and there's behind the scenes arguing between who's getting credit for sales between aos product and the old world and that's why these comments have been made however it has created this massive confusion within the community that is nightmarish and it i can't go on that facebook group anymore because people are asking the same goddamn question i asked a week ago and i'm like can you please stop asking this but (sighs) it's 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 maddening we and i i'm going to talk about this later we are getting a complete game right day dot january 20th we are getting the entire game we are getting all the races now locky you want to play dark elves you can play dark elves those lists are going to be just as play tested as everything else the one thing you're not getting is an arcane journal in like the next four or five years when the next round or three years however long the next round of this goes we are working towards a, a full narrative we are working towards the war in Kislev, and we'll we'll get there along the way And we'll have arcane journals along the way, and hopefully there's all sorts of extra stuff that happens, like Storm of Chaos supplements. But you're going to be able to play your goddamn Dark Elves on January 20th, or whenever they decide to pull the trigger, like the goddamn basing document. Whenever that happens, you're going to be able to play. I'm going to play Saven day one, and I dare anyone to tell me not. Sorry, Nick. This is the perfect example of
1: the this is this is the person. <laughs> this is the reaction that GW solicited.
0: Look at I can see at, his veins
3: popping out of like his head and his neck, <laughs>
0: just like ah. Oh, I've got two, the red I've got light two things. <laughs> two things to sort of say about this. The first one is like there's really very little difference between some of these armies that aren't supported and the ones that are supported in that like there's like 10 armies that are being supported in this they're not going to release all the arcane journals all at once you're going to get them like the rumor is they're going to release two at a time like you'll do a wood elves versus beastman one and empire versus chaos one kind of thing but given their general release schedules one of some of the like the last of those 10 is going to get their update in two or three years so for the next two or three years they're going to be relying on the index army book in their ravening hordes book which is coming out at the same time as these pdfs so they're going to be on the on their list this, for the same length of time as some of these pdfs if not longer i've decided i actually have three things to say the second thing i want to say is people use the six ed bretonian book for like 20 years like uh, bretonian has got a this book in the yeah, this is their this is, is, the their, this, is their, book. this is their seventh ed book. They got one in sixth ed, and this is their seventh ed book. Like, we still need an eighth and a ninth one yet.
2: Don't so, even get me started like, about Chaos Dwarf lists because the Ravening exactly. Hordes list, and yeah, you thick said was the one that we used up until Termicon.
0: Exactly. So, like we players are used to using the same list for a long time. So I don't think that's a massive issue. And the third thing is they told us about this months ago. We knew about all of this, like none of nothing in that article about the PDF lists was new. Nothing was new, except they put in a line that said you can't use them in tournaments and just everybody lost their collective minds because it's like, oh, GW are the arbiter of what you can use in tournaments. Like when it's the last time they ran a bloody event.
3: Yeah, so, I think the community would definitely keep saying, hey, you can run whatever you want. Probably yeah, absolutely. what I would suggest would be the thing is that they don't want to commit to like redoing kits for, you know, those other other nine armies in terms of like, you know, actually
0: printing new molds or whatever and, and having to do all that process. Well, yes and no, though, because mm-hmm. of those seven armies or whatever, they've got better product availability than most of the ones that are currently out. So you can't buy any. Um, generic sort of Orcs and Goblins stuff from Workshop at the moment but you can buy plenty of Vampire Count stuff almost the entire lizardman range like they've actually got better access to models and that's where Brad sort of what Brad mentioned about the dispute between um, the specialist game studio mm-hmm. inside of Games Workshop which is the old Forge World and the uh, Age of Sigma team comes in there's apparently issues with finances on the profit and loss that Cause this dispute, but yeah, I kind of want to move on. But that was that was Friday's controversy, and and boy, did it just go. And of course, we so we were out of date from Friday because that happened on Friday. We released our episode Friday, and <laughs> we missed all the fun. And then Saturday happened, which was release day, and everyone lost their minds again because it was release day, and everyone was super hyped for for the release. And then we could buy models, and we could see models just sort of as as the time zones ticked over uh things sold out and then everything sold out and everyone lost their minds again
1: on right on time like right on schedule every time there's a pre-release or a pre-order uh it's this the same merry-go-round like i don't why isn't anyone used to this by now this is business as usual this is not new this is not a cause for outrage chill
0: exactly (laughs) and in australia people lost their minds because we found out that we were having a release delay and we don't get our toys until the 10th of Feb. But again, we kind of already knew that because a lot of stuff gets released delays over here and they'd already been telling local game stores about it. So that was the weekend. We then had like a week of people on various content creation platforms, posing next to books, posing next to boxes. Oh, (laughs) men reading books on live streams. Oh, man
1: reads book. Man Reads Book is my G. I don't know if this ever will get as far as the lofty heights of Man Reads Book, but Ash from GMG, Guerrilla Miniature Gaming, if you ever see this, my guy. You are my guy. <laughs> Man Reads Book is uh, an excellent, excellent... And he knows about, like, the, um, the that joke, the Man Reads book, book joke,
0: and he's just lent into it. I think it's great. It's the pinnacle of content creation. We could only wish that we could read books on a live stream. Although, although I think... Kind of I
1: the corporate giant of GW has cottoned on to man reads book a little bit because now instead of man reads book being he's done it every page with like the lists and stuff but as far as the core rules he had a little spiel instead of man reads book it was oh i'm not i'm not gonna read the whole thing that would just be really boring for you guys i'll just go through it and, and skim and i was like man reads book you have one job read book it, it was the
2: cliff notes of man reads book
1: yeah yeah we didn't get the full
0: man reads book but that's okay. the best bit is all the compilations of just like screenshots of man reads book that people oh, are using to like because yeah, yeah. And, and, and we can't talk we don't have access we didn't get access to the um the rules i've written fun. lists of man reads
1: book screenshots.
0: Yeah, exactly. <sighs> we're the worst
1: what happened the next day nick on monday
0: uh, I don't know if it was Monday. That was sort of the week, but then, uh, and this was slightly later in the week, we had, and there were some articles. I think Point Hammer and stuff released some articles, um, which were easier to read than screenshots of man read books. So that they were great. Um, not Point Hammer. Point Hammer's old podcast. Uh, Goonhammer. Goonhammer did it. Point Hammer. <laughs> uh, and then we had the king of articles warhammer the old world is a cynical exercise in mining nostalgia and cash from fantasy battle fans (laughs) that had to be the trough of the week surely take my money (laughs) nostalgia take my money there it is (laughs) (laughs) on the one hand absolute drivel on the other hand probably correct
1: yeah (laughs) it's beautiful
2: it's called fan service. People like <laughs> it. It's how Marvel movies get made. Let's let's keep this going, kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, you or create like- an incredibly dedicated uh, fan base spanning generations over you know thirty plus years of people that have fallen absolutely in love and have built their entire identities, got tattoos of this fantastical world, and then. You're just what not gonna not gonna cash in when they all have like adult jobs and adult money. Mm-hmm.
0: My brother in Christ.
3: <laughs> I, I think, that, not I gonna think, think this could they be didn't said. Print
0: enough stock. Sorry, Lockie. Go.
3: No, you're right. I think this could be said about most things a Games Workshop does. To be honest, but like, look, this it probably is a cash grab, but, but it doesn't feel like it's it's so heartless or soulless. You know, like it feels like there's been, you know, a lot of effort being put in from the design team. And I think, you know, I think that really shows And in, in, in obviously the marketing, but also the rules that's been coming out, obviously we'll, we'll wait to see the, the final product. Um, The big thing for me will be what the business model actually looks like in terms of the updates so we know and this burnt me out in aos i I really did try to get into aos there um but i know the 40k is the same in that you know the real relentless you know every six months or three months even you know uh they're updating rules they're invalidating things that they released six months ago so when you paint up an army um, this happened to me after you know after six months I finally painted up the army but the thing I was painting up was then, then invalidated or you know it was nerfed or whatever obsolete or not good enough. Um, yeah. Hang on, you but, know which you is mean, fine. It, that's the business model, uh, you, but if that's up. if that's the business model for uh, Old World, then that's I don't think that's going to be good for you know the community. We'll see.
1: It feels lock. like the perfect uh, uh, balance of uh, <laughs> GW wanting to us to spend all of our money and and, and just throw cash at them. And then a lovely team of employees that have built a game that they love, like stroking it. It's stick and carrot. It's both. And it can be both, right? It
3: can be both, yeah.
0: Lockie, a minute ago you were complaining that you were getting a PDF that you could use forever. And now you're complaining that things are going to get released too often for you. I'm like, so glad you said that. Pick your, pick your, <laughs> what, what's your issue here? Like, <laughs> it can I don't be mind, both. Everything I don't in mind the
3: PDF. God. I don't mind the PDF that we can use forever. In fact, I've gotten so used to like Marvel crisis and a bunch of different games that like, you know, the rules are basically free or it comes with the models. So paying for rules is really like weird to me now. So we'll see.
2: (laughs) Can I even say, speaking of paying for things and things that are gonna be like the news this week, if you've looked at eBay prices for fantasy stuff, it is outrageous. Apparently I'm rich. Because I have a bunch of (laughs) (laughs) scatter dice and artillery dice still to this day. I
0: need some of them.
2: (laughs) So I'm just saying, friends, you got some treasure in the bottom of your toy box if you look. Uh, I cannot believe what fantasy models are going for. I cannot wait for the next three to six months when things finally calm
1: down. It It
2: was
1: just just a a quick note on that. I remember looking at Pegasus Knights for Bretonnia, um because uh, I wanted a conversion or something on eBay like last year or something. I was like, oh, pff, that's crazy. 30 bucks for a Pegasus night? A single night? No way. No. And then thank God they're going to release the plastic kids again. Nothing will be that expensive ever again. And <laughs> they're 90 bucks for three <laughs> like,
3: or more. At least they're brand new though. and feel bad have to... <laughs>
0: speculated on Necro Sphinxes and just had a whole mm. stock of them because they're probably still cheaper now than they were. Uh, and anyway that was the week mm-hmm. uh we're now up to date so you can't tell us where and, behind. and i'm going to edit and i'm going to edit this a bit quicker and hopefully get it out tomorrow and then it'll be great and we'll be nah something will happen overnight you watch and it'll be a disaster <laughs> what we want to talk about today though is we don't as i said we don't have access to the pre-release rules um we A little bit slow getting our act together with this podcast, so we don't, uh, we're not in the creator program or anything like that. So, we're not going to read a rule book to you like some of the men who read books, but we are going to just go over our favorite thing that we've sort of seen this week, um, from the rules releases and and from all the goings on, and just sort of talk about our favorite and our least favorite aspects of, of what's happened. So, I'm gonna throw to Danny, first up, uh, what's what's your first your your favourite takeaway from the week that we've had and all the all the myriad of things that have been uh, thrown at us?
1: Yeah, like like I'm sure most of you have. I've been madly scanning through uh, <laughs> the shitty, I mean the bad pictures of uh, the rules, etc., and looking looking through what I can, watching all the videos. Um, the big favourite for me is the formations, which I know Lockie, you wanted to talk talk about a little bit as well. But no, I the different talk formations. About formations. <laughs> it's it's like surely this has got to be one of the coolest things. Like it's my sick. it's sick. I'm an I'm an Empire Stan through and through. Love that army. I will I'm up to Empire Army number six or something ridiculous like that. And uh yeah I think this is gonna be six for the old world. Um but my favorite thing is is detachments and the way that you can like you know have your main block of infantry and then a supporting unit and they're filling, filling out different battlefield functions and, like, working cohesively as a team to achieve certain objectives or, you know... And even though that's been dispersed among... by Lucky. Um, even though that's been dispersed among everyone, um, the the idea that you can have, like, the open order, close order, and then marching columns and whatever other formations, like... And if they're actually effective and impactful in the game, and it's not just like, oh, I'll never use that formation because there's no point. Like, from what I can glean, it looks like changing changing your uh, ranks or formation is going to be like, vital to like, being successful at carrying out a battle. So, like, I'm just imagining, like, marching blocks of infantry up and then, re- like, re- redressing the ranks and, you know for various tactical advantages like uh, the one i was thinking of was like if you have the drilled special special rule but um for example makes you able to change uh, redress your ranks before you make a move and like if you're like if the enemy's coming up about to attack your empire gun line but you have a a marching column of spearmen next to your gun line and then you just redress your ranks and move up a little bit and suddenly you're blocking they can't charge your cannons they have to charge your spears or like I need to get to the objective, so I'm gonna get out of my fighting formation and march two turns really far with infantry. Like I'm really excited for the, the bog standard men of the Empire to actually be useful, because in in previous editions that I've played, infantry kind of really limited by their movement and, and aren't so useful. And I, I'm that's what I'm hoping is that they become a force again. That's my that's my big one. Is the yeah formations and I don't know if anyone else has stuff to add on
0: that. Yeah, no, I I love the formations. I think that I think this this and this was my point that I wanted to speak about as well. It's it's being able to differentiate the the like the close order heavy infantry style from your your orcs and goblins and your beasts of chaos in that open order, but then going so far as like skirmishing fast cavalry and all that kind of stuff. Like I think it's great having played a lot of 6th edition as well as a lot of 8th edition, more more recently having played 6th edition, the, I much prefer the inc- intricacy of the, the movement in 6th edition. So 8th uh, edition was when that brought in Swift 3 forms. And so basically everyone on a leadership check, which was often a rollable 9 or a 10, could just, check to just pivot as, mu- as much as they wanted and then do a little move or shoot. And that just made it really easy to, have your units facing the way you wanted them to and and get where you needed to be whereas in sixth edition there was no you could reform but that was it that was all you were doing for the turn uh if you wanted to add or subtract a rank you could do that and still half move if you wanted to go sideways you could do quarter turn and then uh move and then a quarter turn back that's now been simplified which just half moves back and, and sideways i like that they've brought that back in but i also like that they've added these formations and different ways to move you know the eighth, uh, the sixth edition skirmisher rules are back rather than the eighth edition skirmish rules the only thing i kind of wish they did and i thought they were doing this for a while is i thought open order units ranked up like skirmishers did in eighth edition with the uh, gaps between them and, mm-hmm. and and maybe i just got this because i've seen pictures of stuff on like I think I saw, I think there was a battle report between some high elves and some beastmen, and so I'm looking at the beastmen, and they're all on those expanded trays where mm-hmm. there's a little gap because they hadn't put them on larger, larger bases. But for me, it would be really cool if they'd gone like closed order is literally touching open order is like eighth edition skirmishes where they're they've got a little bit of a gap between them and then skirmishes is the sixth edition style skirmish which they're going with which is the stuff can just move anywhere they want yeah
1: i get the feeling they wanted to it feels like they wanted to do that but that's kind of impractical like to have two sets of trays and then move 20 models into an open order would take ages and like uh, but i know what you mean Um, i just wanted to add on to this really quickly as well uh the fact that monsters have to abide by these rules as well. Yeah. Huge, 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 huge. Like, because one of the things that, and it's not necessarily, I, I, I don't have a better word for it other than the similitude. Where one of the things that I like having played six a bunch didn't like necessarily was like you know you get your flying monster and then you just like move it up and it spins around and does a little twirly whirly and it's Im- uh, impossibly manoeuvrable like. Giant steam tank isn't going to be able to do a drift yeah. one eighty and and turn around and face the back of a unit or whatever. Like these are big lumbering creatures that need to um, like ooh, hello cat, uh, that that needs space and time to pivot and move around. And the fact that that's a little bit more restrictive. Yeah. Uh, like oh,
0: quality of life. Yeah. Lockie, did you play Kings of War? You played a little bit at the start.
3: Uh, at Mortis Games, yeah, we played it. Played a little bit. Yeah.
0: Like it, the. Elements of what they've brought in with the limited pivots and stuff reminds me of the Kings of War um, movement rules.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. Where, where you could, what, do a 90-degree turn um, and then just move half your move? Is that what it was? Or
0: Yeah, so it was like you could... You got one 90-degree pivot during your move. Like, you could move up mm-hmm. and do a 90-degree or you could move four inches, 90-degree, and then another three inches or something like that if you were movement seven. So there wasn't wiggling, it was all just the pivots. But even like even your bigger monsters and stuff, they could only pivot once or twice during a move, and some, some units were, were more nimble than others. But for mm-hmm. me, I really like that aspect because it, it makes facings matter more and it makes positioning matter more. Um, whereas before, like as Danny said, you, you, your huge dragons and stuff could just pivot a million times and, and be exactly where they needed to be. It
1: didn't feel like it was a huge dragon. It was like, this is a model that I'm moving. Yeah. I'm a sucker for the for the narrative.
3: Dragons should be super good. They should be able to recharge you all the time. I think
0: they will be. I I mean, chaos dragons (laughs) give you a a ten wound model, so I suspect they will still be pretty good. (laughs) Lockie, what's your uh, what's your big takeaway from the week?
3: from the week. I uh, look, I think I really like the char- I don't think this came out in the last week, but I really like the plus or initiative for charges and getting rid of, you know, I think you guys talked about this on the cast last week, but again, like let's let's put always strike first aside. Like I didn't like in 6th edition and 7th edition, I think how, you know, if you charge you always strike first, but also it didn't quite feel right that there was no initiative modifiers or anything like that in 8th edition. So I think this is a nice balance at charging you know, it gives you something and you want to try and charge, but it's not going to break the game a lot of the time. Um, It probably still makes, um, you know, elves, like, really strong if they're still going to be Initiative 5 and Initiative 6. But we'll see uh, how it plays out there with um, weapon modifiers and those kind of things. But I think there's probably lots of counterplay that you can can do with it. So interesting to see, definitely. And particularly how magic might... um, know if there's lots of spells that increase your initiative or things like that really keen to see that for
1: sure it'll be very interesting to see how how much that matters and how much it doesn't like like i'm used to with six i'm used to initiative being a weird thing that you think about if you make it to the second round of combat Mm -hmm. like uh, (laughs) but it it actually mattering like uh, one of the things i've been thinking about is if you can design in, in this new game, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out, but if you can design a unit that is designed to ch- be charged, like um, like the old Village Idiot Empire list from 2003, where it's the whole point is you get charged and do your counter charges and whatnot. Like, I know spears give you a bump if you get charged, but it's only plus one on a human. Ugh, that's probably bad. Like, it. that'd do be it. an interesting sort of thought experiment.
3: There's a new rule. I'm not sure how many uh, units are going to have it, but shield wall. I don't know if you guys saw that one in the in the special rules one. But if you've, if they've got that um, if they've got that rule, I think that they can do it like a two inch um, move two inches backwards if they get charged, which seemed pretty cool and very strong potentially. Depending on how they oh, actually the, have it, like
1: to increase the charge distance. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All this interplay
0: is going to be fascinating it's, yeah, it's so hard varied. to assess at the moment right
3: it's gonna be very i know dumb, we've yeah. got
0: drips and drabs Ugh. we had a big to, to go on a tangent because this is the dwellers below after all we had a big discussion this afternoon in our in our group chat about armor and how they have seem to have dialed back what kind of armor save you can get but they've also dialed back the armor piercing by separating it from strength values it used to be very easy you know strength six was minus three to your armor So you can be strength 7 now and only have a minus 1, minus 2 save modifier depending on the weapon you're using. So I can't actually work out, like, are things going to be more protected than they were before because there's less stuff modifying the armor, or are they going to be less protected than they were before because there's uh, less armor to be had. So it's it's a very interesting thing to think about conceptually, and I'm sure eventually we'll get things on the table after the 10th of February when we get our our models and our books. Yeah, that's right. And it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what predictions or what things we're talking about now in the in the early phase of reading uh, screenshots from Andrew's book. You know, what do we get right and what do we get wrong? Not no doubt. We'll hot
1: take, on. hot take about armor says right now, Nick Holland. Go. What's your uh, so we can look
0: back and tell you how wrong you were. Armor is worse than it I used think, to be, uh, and things will die more. Interesting. All
1: right. Cool. I, th- I think it's a good t- thing, t- thing
3: t- one one plus saves are probably you know, too good in um, eighth edition, but also yeah, as you just said, Nick, like shooting is you know it's going to be scary coming up against a wood elf or high elf gun line um, if if you've got a bunch of lightly armored troops. Um, and they're all a lot slower as well. Troops are a lot slower with their charge distances. Um, one of the things, you know, which surprised me is that they put wheeling back in the game for charging. So not only are is your charge range slow, uh, less, you're actually, you know, you, the, you're you're spending, know more you're spending more to charge. So I can see infantry being very slow. And
0: formations <laughs> <But> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. No Brad.
2: But the units so then, are longer as well. So the more you're <laughs> turning, you're wheeling further. True. It, it feels, yeah. I, I want to get it on the table. Unit size. Oh, I, I laid out an army just to see what it looked like. And the new footprint of my Warriors of Chaos, and keeping in mind my Marauders are still on the same bases, is a lot bigger. Uh, it now takes up two shelves in my cabinet, not one. And it's on the tabletop. It's I mean now that it's quote unquote official that it's a six by four. Yes, at least it's not the new Warhammer size or the forty k size, whatever the hell that is. Um, I'm glad it's still a bigger table, but it's gonna feel tighter for some armies.
1: I, this is my seeking This is my hot tack right now. All right, formations and using marching and using uh, like adjusting your ranks to either benefit from more attacks in the front rank or your rank bonus, depending on what sort of unit you are and all that integral, integral to playing the game. And you're going to need to master that to be a good player. That's my hot take. All right.
3: Do we think that there's going to be more units on the table? Because there's obviously, like, that without the horde rule, or at least for most units, we're probably not going to see big units of 30, 40, 50. Yeah, so, yeah I but... think we
0: will. I think 6th edition... Um well i mean maybe not more units or more models but because i think the points level is going to drop from the 2500 that we were used to in eighth. but okay. six edition more individual units rather than big units uh big units with lots of troops in each unit you tended to have them spread out a little bit more and i think part of that's going to be the lack of step up rule um again quick tangent like and the plus got, one combat res. yeah but if you've got uh, 30 or 40 yeah, if you've got 30 or 40 dudes in a big unit and someone just charges in and they charge them with a chariot, so there's only four models engaged and that the chariot will kill those four models before they get to strike. You've got 40, 40 dudes just really not doing it. Not if
3: you're, not if you're 40 wide.
0: Well, if you're 40 wide, you're never going to manoeuvre right. So, <laughs> But yeah, it's I need to go forwards, maybe. <laughs> Brad, what's your favourite takeaway from the week?
2: Look, I alluded to this earlier, but I'm going to hammer this home because I feel like it is not being said enough. I spend a lot of time talking about a lot of game systems, particularly as they launch and how many game systems as do we as gamers get really excited about and then you know, three, six months in, you still only have two factions or maybe a third faction with a couple of models here and there. And there's massive holes all over the place and what you can actually feel. We are getting Thanksgiving dinner on January 20th. And I'm saying January 20th, Nick, I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to get that EPUB baby and I'm going to be playing the day of goddamn release. I am not waiting till February 20th. I'm just saying that. There's a lot of steps to this. We are getting all the factions in the game day one. Not only that, we are getting these two new army books the um, Forces of Fantasy and Ravening Hordes. Now, what's great about that is unlike previous goes, for example, if we look at sixth edition, which is the obvious analog because you know this is a lot like sixth edition. That Ravening Hordes book was the second a new army book came out. It totally voided the old list. These lists, as the arcane journals come out, will still be the top list. They aren't changing. These books are sacrosanct. They're not just hold you over until the next thing comes. So clearly, knock on wood, a lot of work went into these army lists. And it means that we're not going to be having the three-month, six-month codex creep that just comes in and makes the next thing better, and the next thing better, and the next thing better, and the next thing better. better. Yes, the Arcane Journals are going to give us some new army lists. Yes, we're going to get a couple of new units, some of which will be conversions, which is cool. We're going to have new special characters. It'll expand the game into different battles, into different times. There's just so much about the way the game's moving forward that I'm all about. But I couldn't be happier that everybody will have their army the first day. Now, that is also why the Games Workshop comment about tournaments made me lose my mind, um, besides the sales element. But I, I could not be happier we are going to have all the lists we want to play this game all the units on january 20th for years to come and yes in a couple years it'll be like oh can we get some new stuff but i feel like depending on the types of events that people are playing in the types of games people are playing and the the nature of the arcane journals and how this is supported through publications like white dwarf and by the community. I feel like the people will be playing with their lists to try and not only rock, paper, scissors, everyone else to fit the quote unquote meta, but also, you know, to to play the game in different ways, which I'll come back to a little later. But I could not be happier that Warhammer is back and Warhammer is back full stop entirely. It's not like we're getting a little bit of Warhammer and a little bit of Warhammer. We're getting fucking Warhammer. The whole goddamn thing on one day. And everyone is in the same place and it gives us all a great place to start. I'm I'm really excited.
1: It's such a yeah. flex. Daddy GW is like like what what other game company exists that can do that? Yeah. No. Like there's no other tabletop game that can just be like, "Oh, here's Here's thirty years of, of gaming history, but we're just gonna release it. That's it. All right all there. That's crazy.
0: The crazy thing is that they don't do it all the time. Yes. Like this is this is a you know, rampantly profitable miniatures company that dominates the market and then they're like, Oh, we could only we could only do two books and a rule book this year. That was <laughs> that was a lot.
3: Well, to be fair, it's probably yeah, all written for the next twelve months, twelve eighteen months, and it's sitting in a warehouse ready to you know be, this, be drip fed, right?
1: This was but, an, like the old world was what 20, 2020? 2020. They they said they said it's coming four years, three years ago, three mm-hmm. and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, I believe it. The ancients, the ancients that be the uh, the soulless lizards in charge of GW Corporate, I think in long long lifespans.
0: They like I really like this too Brad and it's one of the frustrations of previous editions of Warhammer was like Seventh Ed Seventh Ed was a great edition change on Six Ed uh, because it, it, it took what Six Ed had built and just tweaked it a little bit the issue was it only released with two books and so you had most of the um, armies using the old Six Ed rules and then they just casually drip fed over a period of time drip fed in the new army books and they were cooked, absolutely cooked. The, the power creep in 7th edition was insane. Yeah. So, and then you had things like the Bretonians and the Tomb Kings that just didn't get a book in 7th.
2: Chaos doors.
0: Not a real army. So They don't exist, Brett. Why would they get a book? But yeah, you just, you don't, that drip feed was annoying and it, it made the game like less good, just like actively less good so releasing everything day dot and then just doing more minor rules tweaks as they as they go through like huge fan yeah and it leads into like one of the things i'd highlighted from this week that i really liked was the um the sub books for the factions the little because it takes time. me back to yeah it was an Arca- yeah the arcane journals it the it takes me back to sixth edition the back of the book lists like the cool themed army list that you had so the vampires they could do like a alarmian list they could do a von karstein list mm-hmm. They could do the so Blood cool. dragon list they got the lance formation and that kind of stuff like that is my absolute favorite thing from sixth edition was those back of the book lists and the custom mm-hmm. lists that they released in in warhammer chronicles and, and the warhammer annual and stuff like that uh, and through the white dwarfs that was awesome and and i love that they've brought that back because they kind of didn't do that through seventh they didn't really do it through eighth at all but it looks like they're moving back to that kind of stuff, and like having read through the Tomb King one, um, like love it. It's just like yeah, you get these, you know, the, the the royal guard or whatever, and so you can have the tomb guard on cha- in chariots. And I, like the chariots that I've got happen to have tomb guard crew in them because I just thought they looked nicer. Um, so huh. I, when I when I first started doing my eighth head Tomb Kings, I bought a box of tomb guard and, and put them all in the back of all the chariots and stuff. So I thought they looked cool, and now I'm like, this is awesome. I get tomb guard in chariots. Um, and just adding those, like those, those sort of fluffy, cool lists, like the border Prince's Bretonian list, like, love it. Absolutely love it. I just, I'm so stoked that they're bringing that kind of vibe back. Um, couldn't be happier. Agreed. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it feels like there's a whole lot of, um, I, people, I don't know, people call them quality of life things as a, like dismissively, but I absolutely vibe all the little tiny changes. Like I posted in our group chat the other day, um, and a uh, unit I've I've made is inspired by a piece of art that I really like in the Six Head book of a warrior priest leading a bunch of flagellants. Because you can do that now. And, like, it doesn't make a difference. It's probably not good, that good. It's not going to break the game. But, like, why could you not have a priest leading your flagellants? They're like, well, yeah, okay, you can do that. Like, there's so many little, little cool things that they're just like, why not? That's not going to hurt anyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I seem
3: good. to remember back in the day, there are a lot of events wouldn't allow back of the book or at least certain back of the book lists or even special characters. So I really hope that like, I assume we have moved past that, that mentality where, you know, you're not using everything that's available to you.
1: Well, some of the back of the book stuff is bit Yeah. (laughs) like like in, in the empire book, you could take, uh, the artillery train of Nuln, you could take cannons and mortars as core. Mm. Like
0: (laughs) the blood drag. I always wanted to run the blood dragons in the, um, in the back of the book list, in the Lance Formation, because they've got the protonian Lance Formation, except That's that your right. characters are all like vampire lords and you outnumber <laughs> stuff with fear. Like, cooked. Absolutely cooked. And uh-huh. yeah, Lock is right. A lot of that stuff wasn't allowed back then. Yeah, I think uh, we've come a long way as a community and hopefully things will be more permissible in the current age. We've been pretty positive so far, guys. Uh, and this is a show on the internet and (laughs) rampant positivity is uh, not acceptable in the internet But Nick,
1: how are we going to get free stuff off Games Workshop if we don't just say yes?
0: Well, it's like, there's two ways to go about it. We could do free stuff from Games Workshop by being like positive shills or we could say negative stuff for the hot takes and the controversy and then we get like the viewers go, Woo. (laughs) <laughs> so we have got to strike a balance right we want free stuff i don't think we, we can do <laughs> next, stuff next stuff on we my glasses,
2: so i can do the well actually so i'm i'm ready <laughs> actually it's too hot in here my glasses are steaming up i'm i'm sorry if i'm shiny folks i'm just a little sweaty sorry brad, go, go ahead all
0: right. brad's brad can't contain himself he's getting angry he's getting sweaty the rage has been building what has enraged brad this week Ah. <sighs> what's got the old man grumpy
2: well it's not grumpy i'm actually amazingly positive about everything with this release but something i've been thinking a lot about um i play a lot of bolt action and i'm part of a group that writes a mission path.
0: c a s
2: Cast Ice actually did a wonderful episode on uh, the old world this week, featuring Dave of War from the Dwellers Below. You should check it out. Anyway, just listen to it; it's
0: such a good episode. Glad you like it. Send you the invoice for uh, Dave's services.
2: Better, better than this show. (laughs) Seriously, though, um, I'm part of a group that writes missions um, that puts them out. We put out one in 2016, we put out one in 2020, and we put out one in 2023, Uh, and they are widely. um, They've been widely uh, adopted by the community tournaments, narrative events across the world, Um, largely because there are very few actual playable scenarios in the bolt action rulebook. And it's one of the easiest ways for the game to get stale. So what I'm concerned about is I want to see the missions for this. I want to see the scenarios I'm hoping in some of the arcane journals and the things moving forward, the publications for this game, moving forward, we get different ways to play. Now I know a million years ago, it was nothing but pitch battle at 20 paces, 20 zipping someone and high-fiving your bro on the way to saying what is best in life. I get it. However, long-term, I would really like to see something besides victory points being the only win condition in scenarios for this game. I'm a huge proponent of scenarios that make you do something slightly different. I think it it can freshen up the way you list. I think it can freshen up the way you play. And it really shows who's a better player rather than playing the same thing over and over and over again. And besides, it drives my attention deficit disorder nuts to be the same Thing every time so my personal thing that i'm a little nervous about is that the game at release this whole wonderful boom game doesn't have a, a, a variety of scenarios that will keep us going for years and i'm hoping those are provided later no, hundred percent agree,
3: agree, Brad. Because like I just think that game design has moved a long way since the pitch battles of sixth edition. Like obviously there were a few scenarios in eighth edition. Um, you know we all remember Watchtower, which was probably not the not the best scenario, but it was still something different from pitch battle. Um, but you know, like I think of I think of games like Marvel Crisis Protocol, which like the best, some of the best parts of that game is the dynamic. You know, there's so many different types of scenarios that you can play, and that's you're basically playing a new game every time you play. And I I, I don't actually play Shatterpoint, um, but everyone who does who I know who's playing it um, has told me that there's only two or three scenarios, and it's getting very stale very soon. And I think you're right, Brad. If if they don't have more than four or five good scenarios, then it's going to get stale quickly.
0: I disagree. I, I think there's enough because there's so many different, you know, 16 different armies you can use.
2: And hold on, hold on. Just so you, many games. You are the captain of the 20 zero brigade for the
0: record. <laughs> I'm just gifted Brad. <laughs> but Nick, seriously, I can crush you like, in 20 different ways. Hold huh? on but like seriously though if <laughs> i play a game of warhammer or something else with my wife you know that's fun and then if we play every night and we do it the same way every night with the same person yeah you've got to throw in some some different scenarios right to keep it interesting telling
1: me to cheat on my wife
0: no but <laughs> this going <laughs> really know, strange directions <laughs> I heard this oh, I heard years ago. I can't remember who told it to me. You know, if you're with your wife every night, the same, same, same time, same thing. You know, yeah, you're going to throw some scenarios in because you're going to get bored. But if you go to a tournament weekend and play with six different people, then you're probably your basic, you know, your basic game without the scenarios is plenty enjoyable.
1: So back to top, talking about Warhammer. <laughs> um,
3: I th- I think like the other good point me. that. Yeah, some questions. <laughs> Yeah. I think the other good point that Brad brought up was like it makes you list build differently. So, you know, in, in a pitch battle scenario, there's going to be, you know, an, a, a very efficient way to spend your 2000 points or whatever. But if there's different ways that you need to move around the board or like whether you need to claim things um, like, you know, grab it and run or even, you know, tag different things and things like that. Inevitably, different units are going to be uh, that, that might not be as efficient in a pitch battle are going to be more efficient there. So it makes you list build a, di- a little bit differently yeah the six
1: head player pack for for cancon this year is like that the the to's decided they want to do and they're okay. very very blatant about it but i think it's cool like they're like in this scenario unit champions are going to be great they're going to be the, t- the best so you gonna have to you have to have some unit champions in the next scenario you have to have whatever else you know, and they're like actively encouraging different list building it'll be yeah you're right right it would be nice to have um scenario play
2: let let me just jump on I think Hohen has a point. This is this game has a long pedigree
0: of of twenty zip <laughs> of twenty zipping somebody. Now this game, no, I, I think, mean, it, I think he's addressing my other point.
2: No, I'm not. I'm actually addressing the serious point here. If we think about Warhammer Fantasy Battle, it, in its first eight editions, it was a pitched battle. I mean, you were fighting a a war. It was probably of all the games I've played, the game that was most zoomed out, most fighting, you know, sides rushing into each other, tabletop war experience, possibly besides War Master. And it makes sense. You want to see who wins the game. And it, it lent itself very well to tournament play um, because of that. And it has a long history of that. Now, is this warhammer fantasy battles ninth edition or is the old world something new that's a question that we as a community have to ask is are we going to follow in the steps that the previous editions had gone or we as a community had gone with those editions or are we going to go somewhere new with this one and i i would just like to keep the gates open to say maybe we should maybe we should try some stuff and if it doesn't work Eh. look, I'm not going to say I'm writing missions for this game because I'm leaving that to wiser people. I don't quite understand how Rank and Flank write how to do good scenarios for that. But I think we shouldn't turn our backs on it either. Nick?
0: Yeah, like I I think we also have to think about the fact that Brad has a very tournament-focused mindset and Brad is only sort of talking about what you would do in a, in a tournament or an event uh, and those scenarios realistically if you're playing outside of that where you're going to have a prescribed tournament pack or set scenarios that you have got to play you can do whatever you want and there's going to be in in that rule book and in the in the arcane journals and stuff there's going to be heaps of different scenarios and heaps of different ways to play and you can do campaigns you can print the mighty empire um, tiles and stuff like that like you can do so much cool shit. so don't restrict yourself to a tournament mindset. And that's something I would have been absolutely guilty of in the past is, is that was like laser focused on tournaments, playing the ATC, all that kind of stuff. And that's something like, that's the freedom that we have now is, is we've broken the shackles of tournament um, of the tournaments and we can just do whatever we want. Right. So, so, so wait,
3: yeah. Okay. You're, tournaments you're saying... might
0: have might... Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Go on.
3: You're saying that the, the dwellers, so the eight of us should just like create a scenario pack the way we want it and then impose it on, the, the rest of the australian community is that what you're saying i, I don't think we should impose <laughs> stuff
0: on anyone i don't think anyone should have things imposed on them yeah like a tournament you might mm-hmm. you might play some pitch battles but if 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 you want to play some cool scenarios in your kitchen table do it because that is mad fun and it's mm-hmm. it's like it's something that people should do more of it, it's it's so good anyway that was too positive locky no, hold on hold on i just like?
2: have one last question here nick was it you or was it egg that i beat in the watchtower I don't remember. I, th- th- I think the only time I ever beat you with the hundred blood letters, I won on a fluke because of the Watchtower scenario. So I'm a huge proponent oh, of me. scenarios because it's the only way I've ever beaten you. For those who don't know the context, Neat uh, sorry, Nick and I played when Nick was like thirteen and he pants me. And that was when I was the like number one rated 40k player in Australia Asia. He destroyed me and made me cry. There's the only time I ever a really you was in um, a scenario, Nick. So,
1: There's a really good episode that, of right, Cast 20. Dice uh, that uh, goes into detail about the fateful day when you guys met at that tournament. I listened to it the other day. It's very oh.
0: good. This is great podcasting, just talking about stuff that happened like 20 years ago. Sorry. This is the Dwell's life. It is. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to the Iron Maiden. I want to focus on the, the, the Fallout boy, the new, the new metal. Uh, Lockie... Back to this week. What did you not like so much about this week?
3: Uh, yeah, look, finding out that the magic phase is, is only 2d6 per kind of roll, um, that feels very AOS-y to me. Um, that was one of the very simple parts of that AOS that I wasn't a super
0: big fan of. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much straight from AOS, right?
3: Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you, you're adding your, your wizard levels to a 2d6 roll, but, you know, it's just... It loses so much of the dynamic. Like, I, I do like the fact that you know they, they've split it out across multiple phases, so it's not just one magic phase. I, like across multiple phases, don't have a problem with that. But yeah, I think it, it definitely loses the, the, the you know the way that you might resource manage to be able to do that in the magic phase. What do you guys think about that one?
1: I think that it's correct. Like, like, and I think it's right because I think it simplifies the casting. But it also, uh, like, I feel like the you need to always be thinking about magic now. It's every spell, like, and when you cast your spells in the phase, like, I think it, the complexity hasn't changed that much. It's
0: just in different place, and I think that's fine. That's that's. Mm-hmm. But you know, if, their if own. <laughs> the way the magic looks to me, if you leave a high level mage of your opponents uncontested in a like primary part of the board where it's got access to a lot of uh, units, both its own and, and, and yours, you will lose the game because they will be casting four relevant spells a turn and if you ha- haven't got the ability to dispel all those spells, it could absolutely take over the game so contesting where your opponent's wizards go and where your own wizards you know, go and stuff like that is going to be a massive part of the game it's not directly related to the Lockheed's point of of the 2d6 rolls and look we're all going to miss six dice casting the dwellers below but are we i will i certainly
3: will so i think if you if you can sit your guys back though so i know that magic rangers are a lot shorter so like magic missiles and stuff this is going to be hard to do but like if you've got you know a, a highly buff centric um, magic phase you you sit yourself back outside of what 18 24 inches which isn't actually that hard to do behind your lines you're gonna get a lot of those spells off um, yep. so yeah it's gonna be I, I think that that will be interesting in terms of like yeah you know, keeping yourself in range but so I think only the balance of yeah.
1: The balance of buff and hex, etc., spells in each of the laws that you have access to is gonna negate that. Like you're not gonna have one law that has all the buff spells. And also mm-hmm. just another point that adds to this a little in terms of what you're saying, Nick, about the complexity of, of, of like, where you place your mages. Um, I was watching a thing the other day which let me know that buff and hex spells both now require line of sight. So you can't just you can't just sit your, your mage like way back behind seven units and then buff the one at the front because you can't see it so that's gonna it's gonna be really interesting i think where the, the mages go and like trying to mitigate the risk of having them up the front but then staying in range of stuff trying to dispel other people's stuff because you can dispel stuff as much as you want like any mage can add like uh can attempt to dispel. if you have your level four for example in range of all of them, mages you can add four yep. to every dispel roll like
0: no, mm. absolutely. And I think a lot of those abilities, uh, spells and command abilities, can't be cast when you're in combat or can't be used when you're in combat as well. Uh, for example, like the, the Tomb King Hierophant ability to raise back dead troops does not work if the Hierophant is in combat, was my read of it. So oh, yeah, interesting. yeah, you've got to... um mm. positioning's going to be key. But yeah, that doesn't really go to what Loki was talking about. But it, I mean, it's the dwellers below. We've got to go off on tangents, right?
3: The one good thing, though, is, you know, magic phases back in the day could take a while in terms of, like, you know, particularly newer players when um, if they're trying to figure out how many dice they should, you know, roll yeah. for separate things and tr- tr- if they're trying to bait out. So if you're just like, cool, I've got this spell, I'm going to roll two dice. I can see why, you know, speeding up the game, you know, yeah, hasn't
0: appealed. Danny, helps what do you think about
2: the magic phase? Which I have done a couple times <laughs> over the years by just jumping oh, yeah. to the next phase. It, it's more intuitive. It's a more modern game design to have the magic happen when that part of the turn is actually happening. I'm a huge fan of this. I think I said it in the last episode. I think that breaking it up is a great idea.
1: I like it. It feels magically battle-y. Um, Nick, you asked what I think is bad. All of it. I hate the game. I'm going home. Um, I'm burning my Empire Army. All 17.
0: We don't burn um, Empire armies. We burn Dark Elf Armies. That's right. Sorry.
1: Uh, no, I, I have my major thing that I really dislike, and I think it's, um, it's going to cause a no end of problems, to be honest. In fact, it's probably the worst thing I've ever seen in any game ever. Uh, it's been driving me nuts. Uh, obviously you all know that cannons only do D3 plus one and not D6.
0: <laughs> 10 from the back? Who even cares?
1: <sighs> yeah, 10 from the back will be fun. No, my, my real thing of, of what could be bad? I don't know. I'm too I'm too much on the positive hype train, but my negative uh, is there's no more of the catastrophic breaking from combat and getting run down that you saw in sixth. And people are talking about this like it's a good thing, like oh you know I can't just fail one test and my whole big unit dies, which I see I understand. But also that was the most refreshing thing about when we started playing sixth together again. Stuff dies, hmm. things happen. It's a battle. Like you you know like it can be it can go catastrophically wrong for you very quickly uh and what i'm hesitant about and what i've heard from a couple of battle reports of people that have had a few games is that it can be a bit grindy a bit like i win this combat i push you back i win this combat i push you back like i is and so you never like your opponent for example never rolls ab- above their natural leadership and so, until they have half your unit strength, because they're killing stuff too, maybe, you know, if, if you're not wiping out the rank every time, like, I can see there you. could be a lot of combats that just go all game and nothing happens. And there's nothing worse than rolling seven buckets of dice. Like, you play AOS games where, like, someone is rolling 400 dice at you and you have a really good save. And so, three wounds get through and you've, you've spent like 20 minutes rolling dice. That sucks. So that, that, that's actually a real issue, I think, to watch out for.
2: But we're not going to be rolling many dice in this game.
1: No, which is good, but if nothing really happens, then...
0: I mean, on the dice particularly board. given the dice cost $74 for like a <laughs>
1: Like $1 million. You know <laughs> if who they release Empire Dice, to... I'm
0: still going to buy them. Who can afford to roll that many dice when they cost that much money?
1: Uh, you know how you have card sleeves; you should get dice sleeves protect <laughs> your dice
0: for when you roll them. Yes, coat your di- coat your dice in something to protect them, laminate so them. Possibly go wrong. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you, Danny, though, because like, so wait. Assuming that BSBs still give you know re rolls within twelve inches, so you you could uh, actually just the...
1: do they. Do they? No, BSPs have changed. So, the the leadership rerolls you get from the veteran rule. Um, right. And the BSP does something else. I think. I'm pretty yeah, sure. It
0: hadn't even occurred to me that, that BSPs would do anything, or would, uh, would change. So, yeah, I haven't even uh, looked at that. In- yeah, I, I just haven't like,
1: the same. from the skerricks that I've got. I know, you, like, all I can see is you can take them, but the veteran rule to- allows you to re-roll failed leadership tests. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like Oh, that's leadership. So maybe the BSB is reroll break tests.
3: Yeah, well, even if yeah, it does, yeah, even right, if it right. doesn't, like leadership eight or leadership nine, like you're not going to be failing. <laughs> you know, like you could go games without failing that, like oh, unmodified. You know,
1: and the, that's the that's the key though, right? Modified. Mm. Like you you're gonna try and do your utmost to drop someone's leadership spells, magic buffs, yeah, whatever I've, you can. I've seen
0: two abilities in the chaos book. To drop people's leadership, there's a banner that if they can see the banner, they lose a leadership. And there was another oh, ability, wow. I think, a spell. So I wonder if leadership debuffs will be more common. It's interesting it what like you all said. The stats the are dead. more important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But the um, it's interesting looking at what you said from us because you're coming from more of a 6Z perspective because you probably played that more recently than eighth edition. And and from I, a I literally played zero games of eighth edition. Ex- exactly. So from a 6 sixed perspective, like breaking units running them down was massive and stuff died super quickly it died even quicker in in seventh ed in eighth ed you know in a sense it went the other way because everything almost everything had steadfast and essentially was just always checking on a, on their natural leadership which often was 10 with a reroll because of the leadership banner and so you actually basically couldn't break or run anything down in eighth edition a lot of the time because these big units were just tar pits and they would just tar pit you forever and at least what they've brought in here is if you are engaged against a target like that, it's going to be a bit more dynamic because that unit's going to fall back. It's, it, it might not break and flee, but it will fall back in good order. And at least that will add some movement to the battlefield. Then again, 8 Ed sort of made up for that by having big units that had a billion attacks. And so you wouldn't actually run units down. You'd just wipe them off the board. And that's going to be less common in, in, in this because it seems like there's a bit less damage output from particularly in close combat
1: agreed yeah it'll be interesting
2: totally agreed i we're just gonna have to get boots on the table and figure out how it actually works
0: yeah and that's my negative for the week (laughs) oh my god i just want to play i just let me play games please the worst bit is even if we had the rules i couldn't play because i'm working and cancon's a couple weeks away so i've got to earn brownie points i can't spend my weekend playing warhammer We're gonna be in canberra for the weekend so and in theory i should play x-wing and practice that but who cares i'm just all about the old world right now and i just want to play some games and Nick, we've got still it's the 10th of january the 10th of february is a month away mm-hmm.
1: Nick, how, uh, quick 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 aside how much do you care about the x-wing tournament at camp on a scale of one to ten, Give me a number.
0: Uh, five and about five okay
1: that's that's Thanks. nothing what if we go to cancon we both bring old world armies and we get the epub and we don't play tournaments we just, like, get a table and
0: play the Old World. I was already intending to bring an Old World army. Because the next wings <laughs> only the Friday, uh, assuming I don't top eight, which I probably won't because I haven't played for months. So, yeah, let's spend Saturday, Sunday just playing games. So good.
3: I'm intending to buy an army at the BSS. Like, I think it's going to be nuts this year. <laughs> Dude,
2: last uh... year, the line was bonkers. Mm. Mm. Bonkers.
1: Let's Let's be nerds this year and get in super early. Camp
0: out. Five AM starts. Sounds like a plan. We might take it offline because I don't think our listeners care what. <laughs> <asking>. <laughs> care? That's but right. You're up, correct. <laughs> up in the swap sell list line at a camp, <laughs> uh, at a convention in three weeks. Like that is the <laughs> content everyone's looking for, right? I think
2: the only thing that would make that better if we started raiding the toilets at CanCon. <laughs>
0: I'll do it. We're gonna live. We're gonna live stream from the BSS line.
1: <laughs> Wild. Hey, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to each and every one of you. Lucky, so Nick, Brad. Oh,
0: love it. Love you guys. We're back. We're so back. we only cast casted back? twice twice in less than a week. Like, when has that ever happened before? I know, right? Never. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening again to the Dwellers Below. Uh, hit us up in the socials with your favorite things from the rules that you've seen so far. Um, that way you don't have to read everything cause you can see other people's favorites and we can all learn together. Uh, if you want to be a negative internet dweller, hit us up with the things you hate about games workshop. Uh, I'm sure the list will be long and the arguments will be many.
1: I, for one, uh, like their pricing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: who should I nominate? Uh, Danny, Danny can be on comments this week. So, I'm going to give Danny access to the YouTube studio and he can reply to everybody's comments. I'm replying to everyone's comments time.
1: from my own personal account at Danny Paints, which is uh, dead and defunct. But if you're lucky, I might make a video. Another good thing you can follow is Cast Dice. It's an amazing podcast. Like, lots of really good info, really sensible people on that podcast. They have, you know, the scoop, really insightful stuff. So, if I were you, I would listen to Cast Dice. How do you spell that, Nick?
0: <laughs> See no before you go there (laughs) please don't forget like and subscribe to our show thank you if you already have but just mash that button again get that algorithm happening do it we've been the dwellers below thanks for listening don't fail your strength test Hashtag sorry, not sorry, but welcome back to season three. Yeah, with the dwellers, below. Dwellers, below.
2: Dwellers, below. Dwellers, below. Dwellers, below. Dwellers, below. Dwellers, below. Dwellers. ¡Mira! People on the people, people dancing on the people with the people on the-